This is a Faith FM podcast. You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Hello there, and thanks again for joining me once again. I'm Robbie Bergen, and you're listening to The Faith Experiment. And this is episode number 23. And I'm calling this episode the storyline of the Bible. Now, in this episode, I've once again put together an e-guide to help summarize today's topic. It's got some invaluable information. It's got some graphics. It's got some charts. It's got some statements and quotes. It's really going to help you understand today's topic. So stick around to get today's code word during the show. You need to text that code word to 04888845311. So save this number into your phone. 04-888-45311 and wait for today's code word. Now, if you join me for the first time, the faith experiment is about putting faith into practice. And so far on the show, I've been sharing with you my own personal journey of faith and how I went from a non-believer to a faith experimenter. And over the last few episodes, we've been exploring this theme of Bible study. And on this episode, we're going to be looking at how to make sense of the numerous stories in the Bible. So stick around because on today's episode, we're going to explore what I'm calling the storyline of the Bible. But to get started, let's recap what we've covered so far when looking at this theme of how to study the Bible. We first looked at the question, what's the purpose of the Bible? Because our answer to this question influences our approach to Bible study. And so we established that the purpose of the Bible is, from the Bible's own teaching, that it serves as a living, breathing martyr or witness which testifies of who Jesus is. And we've seen how that Paul explains that this practically works, that as we spend time in the Scriptures or the Bible, through these four lenses that Paul identifies, we're confronted with the very person of Jesus. And these four lenses is the lens of doctrine, the lens of reproof, the lens of correction, and the lens of instruction in righteousness. And through these lenses, as we come to know Jesus intimately, and by beholding Jesus through these scriptures, we are transformed into complete men and women of God. And that makes us equipped for every good work. Now, because we know now what the purpose of the Bible is, and that it's to reveal Jesus and to transform us through that process, we turned our attention to the physical book that we actually call the Bible. And we looked at how the Bible's made up of those two Testaments, an Old Testament looking forward to the Messiah, while the New Testament's looking back at the Messiah. We also looked at how those Testaments are divided into various categories and how chapters and verses were added hundreds of years later to help us with referencing and indexing of passages. But we saw that in the light of Bible study, as useful as these chapters and verses are, and as important as they are, they're not to limit us when it comes to Bible study. We should be studying according to passages, not according to verses and chapters. And then we asked ourselves the question of how did we get the Bible? And we found that the words that we have in the Bible started with as a revelation, which God desired the human race to know. And these revelations could be his plans, his thoughts, his laws, whatever it is, it's a revelation within himself that he wants to reveal to us. And he does that through a process of the Holy Spirit impressing through inspiration upon a human mind. And these human minds are called prophets. And these prophets would use the the imagery that they had in these visions or dreams, and they would use their own language, their own culture, their own experiences to put these thoughts into words. And these words become what we call today the manuscripts of the Bible. 
And this highlights the importance of understanding the time and culture of these human authors of these biblical scripts in order to accurately understand what their intended message was. We also then examined the question of, well, how do we end up with 66 books in the Bible? And we found out that the Old Testament canon, or the measuring stick of 39 books, had been established for more than 400 years before the time of Christ. And although the number of books differ when comparing the Jewish Bible with the Old Testament of the Protestant Bible, we found that the only reason for this is because of the way the books are divided. Both the Old Testament and the Jewish Bible are absolutely identical, but the divisions are different. And so we have confidence that the Bible that Jesus would have had in his day is in fact the Old Testament that we have today. And then we saw that with the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls, that there's no question that the words that we have in our Bibles today have been faithfully and accurately passed down through the ages, with the only differences appearing in the spelling of names and places, and in some cases, grammatical differences. But again, this gives us confidence that the words of the Old Testament that we have today are the same words that the apostles would have had access to and that Jesus preached from. And when we looked at the New Testament and the 27 books that it has, despite what's become a popular belief based on recent best-selling books and movies, we found that evidence is overwhelming And it suggests that the 27 books of the New Testament were established in the time of the living apostles. And this helped us understand the relationship between the New Testament and the Apocrypha. And so we have confidence that as we pick up the Bible today with its 66 books, we are holding a collection of manuscripts that have been proven again and again to be copies of the original thoughts and words of these inspired men and women who were communicating revelations from the very mind of God. And then on the last episode, the Bible translation tree, we discovered how that every copy of the Bible that we read in English has come from a translation of either Hebrew or Greek. And we discovered how that two important factors are absolutely important to be aware of when it comes to studying the Bible in the English translations, or any translation for that matter. The first is the translation method. And we looked at this idea of a continuum between the thought-for-thought translations and word-for-word translations. And we saw how that a word-for-word translation, even though it's more accurate to the original thought, it's often more difficult to read. Whereas on the other side of the continuum, a thought-for-thought translation, although it's easier to read, is often just that one step further away from the original thought. The second factor we explored when considering Bible translations was the translation source. We found that ultimately every English translation comes from one of four Greek texts. And each of those Greek texts come from either the majority text or the Byzantine family or from the minority text or the Alexandrian family. And so now we're getting just a little bit closer to the actual process of studying the Bible. I did tell you that we were going to take some time to look at some of the fundamentals before we delve into the mechanics of how to study the Bible. But today, we want to understand the storyline of the Bible and how the Bible is all connected. When most people pick up the Bible and start reading it, it doesn't take them long until they get a feeling that the Bible is a collection of random stories. And often they feel very disconnected and unrelated to one another. But... Because we all know that we need to read the Bible, or at least we think we should read the Bible, we know that it's important for us to read it and to be familiar with it and try and draw some lesson or find some good moral principle somewhere. 
That's all we find ourselves doing. And once we've done that, we feel like, well, we've done what we're supposed to do now. We can move on with the rest of the Bible. But is that really how the Bible has been put together? Just a collection of random stories for the purpose of extracting good moral lessons. Well, it's time to take a short break now, but when we come back, we're going to discover the storyline of the Bible. And don't forget to stick around to get the code word for today's e-guide on this topic. It's going to give you some great visuals to help you understand the details of today's topic. So I'll be right back after this with The Faith Experiment. You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Connect with us via text message on 4 453 That's 4453 Or send an email to robbie at Tell it to others, hear and live the chorus of faith. 
Sing it with your life, sing with your heart, make melody with the words of your mouth. But mind that you listen, tell it to others, hear and live the chorus of fame. Sing it with your life, sing with your heart, make melody with the words of your mouth. But mind that you listen, tell it to others, hear and live the chorus of faith. Hear and live the chorus of faith. Hear and live the chorus of faith. This is the Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen. Right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Listen live or listen later. Get the Faith FM app from your app store today. Welcome back to The Faith Experiment. I'm your host, Rory Bergen, and this is episode 23 of The Faith Experiment. I'm calling this episode The Storyline of the Bible. And coming up in today's show is a code word that's going to get you an e-guide for today's topic. It's going to have great visuals in it to help you really understand the subject matter. So on this episode, we're talking about the Bible and the study of the Bible. But specifically, we're interested in how to put all the stories of the Bible into some kind of order. And as I said before the break, when most people pick up the Bible and start reading it, it doesn't take long until they get a feeling that the Bible is just a collection of random stories which often seem to be very disconnected and unrelated to one another. If you just open up your Bible to the table of contents and scan down the lists of the books in the Bible, each book generally has its own theme. And then within that book, there are chapters that have stories and lessons and principles. For example, in Genesis, we think of that book having the beginning of things. But then there's stories, stories of Adam and Eve, stories of Cain and Abel, stories of Abraham and Sarah, stories of Moses and Joseph. If you look at the second book, book of Exodus, we think of the stories of the Red Sea. We think of the stories of the Ten Commandments and Mount Sinai. And we can do this for each and every book of the Bible. And so we know that we need to read the Bible. We know that it's important for us and we tell ourselves we need to find some sort of lesson, a good moral principle or somewhere in the passage. We need to get something out of this before we can move on to the next passage. But the reality is that we really are no closer to understanding that purpose of that particular book or that portion of the book in the grand scheme of the entire Bible. And so most of the time we feel like we've sort of done our duty of study in the Bible, but deep down we recognize that we're missing something. It's like we haven't fully grasped the original purpose of the passage, but we move on. And for others, we look at the Bible as a series of stories of God's love for humanity played out through the eyes and lives of story characters. For example, most people are familiar with the stories in the Bible. It starts out with the story of Adam and Eve, and then it progresses down to the story of Cain and Abel. And in each one of those, we are trying to draw out God's love for humanity or to see what was the right choices and the wrong choices. We look at the story of Noah and the ark, and we again see God's love, but then see the, the lessons of what not to do and the lessons of what to do. Same with the story of Tower of Babel or baby Moses in the basket or the walls of Jericho falling down, Samuel the prophet, David Goliath, Daniel in the lion's den, Jesus in the manger. It just keeps going on and on and on. But this is how many people think of the Bible. They think of it as a collection of compelling and engaging stories, but 
We feel like it's random stories and somehow there's supposed to be some magnificent insights and connections to the whole thing, but we generally just feel like they're disconnected stories. And so we often just look for a way to somehow identify with the characters in the story by proxy. We live out our relationship with God through these biblical characters, which, don't get me wrong, this can be very helpful in our faith experiments. But if we're honest with ourselves, we still leave our study time with a a niggling. Maybe there was more to it, or maybe there's something below the surface that I'm missing. By now, I think you would have noticed that there's a common theme what we're talking about so far today, the theme of stories. The Bible is full of stories. And there are even stories about stories in the Bible. You know, I've got a five-year-old son, and every chance he has, he asks me to tell him stories. When he wakes up in the morning, I'm not exaggerating one bit here. He runs into my bedroom and he says, Dada, 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 can you tell me a story? At lunchtime, he asks me, Dada, tell me a story. And of course, in the evening, you have to have a story for bedtime, and one story is never, ever enough. We've got a good routine of storytelling in our home. Everyone loves good stories. I mean, when you think about it, the biggest and most valuable industries on earth are based on storytelling, whether it's in the form of books or novels or Hollywood blockbuster films. They're all based on stories. There's something about the human mind that seems to be wired to stories. We love to be entertained by them. We we love to learn through stories. In fact, there are some cultures that are preserved entirely only through stories. And so I guess it makes sense that the Bible is also made up of stories. After all, if the Bible comes from God and humans come from God, that makes sense that stories are the common link between God and man. There's definitely something about stories. So let's talk about stories. If you take a story and you distill it down to its parts, there are three main ingredients that every good story has. And if any of these ingredients are missing, the story falls apart. The three ingredients are a story must have a storyline. It needs to start somewhere and end somewhere. And the storyline is what takes you on that journey from start to finish. The second ingredient every story has to have is chapters. We need chapters in order to feel that there's a progression in the story. Chapters give us context. They give us closure as we progress through the storyline. At the bare minimum, a story needs an introduction chapter, it needs a body chapter, and it needs a conclusion chapter. And a third ingredient that every story needs is known as threads. Threads are the clues, their insights, their terms, their concepts, their principles. They're continually repeated through the chapters as the story progresses along the storyline. And it's the threads that help tie the whole story together. Now, without these three ingredients, a story is just a bunch of mumbo jumbo. If you think about a really poorly written book that you've read or a movie that was based on a really bad storyline, If you analyze the reasons why you feel like it's a bad book or a bad movie, in most cases, it's because one of these three ingredients is probably missing. Maybe the storyline just didn't feel right. Maybe there wasn't a clear delineation between chapters as you progress through the story. Or maybe there just weren't enough threads to tie the whole thing together. No matter how you look at it, every good story 
has three ingredients. Now, I've said that the Bible is a collection of stories, but when it comes to the Bible, for most of us, we just don't seem to see an overarching storyline. We find that chapters are generally disconnected from the storyline, and finding threads, well, that's like looking for a needle in a haystack for most of us. And this is often the reason why, when we put the Bible down after we've been reading it or studying it, we feel like we didn't quite get it, or we feel like we're missing something. And so, what is the storyline of the Bible? And how can we find these chapters? And where are the threads? Well, it's time to take a short break now, but when we come back, we're going to dig deeper into the storyline, how it works, and hopefully see how it applies to the Bible. And don't forget to stick around to get today's code word for today's e-guide. I'll be right back after this with The Faith Experiment. The Faith Experiment is made possible because of people like you. If you enjoy what we are doing, please consider supporting us by making a donation on our website at faithfm.com.au slash donate. His son, they called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. Cause I know 
Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Welcome back to the Faith Experiment. I'm Robbie Bergen, and this is episode 23 of the Faith Experiment, which I'm calling the Storyline of the Bible. And coming up is today's code word for the e-guide of today's topic, which has got some excellent visuals for you that's going to help you break down this topic. So stick around for that. Now, on this episode, we're talking about the Storyline of the Bible. And over the past few episodes, we've been talking about the theme of the Bible, And we've seen that there are a number of things that we need to be aware of before we even open up the pages of the Bible to attempt to study it. We know the purpose of the Bible is to ultimately transform us into men and women of God by introducing us to the person of Jesus. And that comes through those four lenses of Scripture, the doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction. We know that we've got 66 books that have been carefully preserved throughout the millennia. And we know that it's made up of revelations that God has inspired human minds to record for the rest of the human race. But now as we actually turn our attention to the Bible itself, and as anybody would know who has picked up a Bible and attempted to read a portion of it, much of the Bible, if not all of the Bible, is made up of collections of stories. But as I mentioned before the break, for most of us, we find that these stories, as good as they are, as interesting as they are, and as perhaps inspiring as they are, we often feel that they're disconnected, and it's hard to see the overall purpose of them in the context of the Bible. And so we started out by looking at the three ingredients that every story needs in order to be a successful story. Every story needs a storyline, every story needs chapters, and every story needs threads. Here's how one Christian author puts it in a book called Selected Messages, page 201. There is not always perfect order or apparent unity in the scriptures. The truth of the Bible are as pearls hidden. They must be searched and dug out by painstaking effort. Those who take only a surface view of the scriptures will, with their superficial knowledge, which they think is very deep, talk of all the contradictions of the Bible. But the illuminated soul sees a spiritual unity, one grand golden thread running through the whole. But it requires patience, thought, and prayer to trace out the precious golden thread. So did you catch what the author is saying here? Basically, this statement says that the Bible on the surface does appear not to be in perfect order and unity. But it's full of pearls that are hidden. And it takes effort to dig these pearls out. And if you only have a surface view of the Bible, you will think that it's full of contradictions. But as we, as prayerful students of the Scripture, as we dig deep, we find that there is a single golden thread running through the entire Scriptures. So let's explore what this one grand golden thread is. This is what I personally call the storyline. All good stories follow the same stages in a storyline. That's what makes it a story. Every storyline starts out 
with what we call an exposition. This is where we first get introduced as the reader or the hearer to the universe of the story. We're told of the place the story is going to occur in. We're told of a time. We're told of a location. We're introduced to characters. The exposition is basically a description of the storyline in its beginning at the origin. For example, the beginning of the most common storyline ever begins like, Once upon a time, in a land far, far away, there lived a princess. Right there we get the exposition. We get the place, we get the time, we get the characters. That's how storylines begin. They begin with an exposition. Once we understand where we are as the story starts out, there's always inevitably, as the story progresses, some kind of conflict that gets introduced to us as the audience. This is the something that changes the course of the story. We're often told what happened, how it happened. Sometimes we're told why it happened and when it happened. And from this point on in the story, there's always some kind of tension that's building. There's questions that are being asked that don't have immediate answers. Questions like, what does this mean? What's going to happen? Who's going to solve this problem? And perhaps the most important of all is when will this problem or this conflict be resolved? This stage of tension is sometimes called the hope stage in the storyline because there's a vague hope in the distance, but as we progress along, as the tension builds on the storyline, the hope gets clearer and it becomes more defined. And ultimately, we're all hoping that something or someone will come and solve the problem that was brought to light During the conflict stage, this tension or hope builds as the story progresses, as the storyline continues. We as the audience start asking questions like when, how, who, these are type questions to ourselves. And this allows us to follow along the storyline until, until it happens, until the story reaches its climax, the pinnacle, the defining moment. When something happens that deals with the conflict, kind of like when the story comes to a head. This is the moment that we've been wondering, will it happen? How will it happen? We've hoped it will happen, and now it's come. Well, this is what we call the climax in the story. And the climax answers all those questions for us. Now, from this point, the story enters into what is known as a wrap-up phase. This is where all of the unanswered questions from the conflict and from the hope phase get addressed now in the light of what took place at the climax. This is where we go, ah, I get it now. This is where we see the climax clearly solving the conflict. And once this wrap-up stage is complete, we enter into the final stage of the story called the resolution. This is where we're introduced to the new normal and we're given an insight to the cost of the conflict and we're shown how the climax worked. And oftentimes we're given a glimpse of the future of how our story universe hopes to be given the events of the past. And so every story you have ever heard, if it's a good story, it follows this storyline. It starts with an exposition describing the story world, introduces conflict, gives us tension and hope takes us to a climax, wraps up the unanswered questions, and shows us a world post-conflict and climax. And this is the storyline that is our golden thread that runs all the way through the entire scriptures, taking us on the most amazing journey in the universe. The Bible follows the storyline formula perfect. 
The scriptures first describe the context of the story. It introduces the location, the time, the characters, and the condition. We're next introduced to a conflict which impacts the universe of the story. And then we're taken on a journey of suspense, tension, and hope with questions like, what's the solution to this problem? Who can solve this problem? When will this problem be solved? And then in the imagery surrounding the crucifixion, we're shown the pinnacle of this climax. And with the ascension of Christ, we're introduced to a wrap-up stage of the story. It's explained to us how the climax solves the conflict. All of the questions are addressed, which leads us ultimately to the resolution where we're introduced to a time when all things will be made new again. So you see, the Bible as a whole follows the storyline, the golden thread, exactly. Now to understand how the storyline works and how it is revealed in the Bible as a whole, we need to explore our next ingredient of a good story. Chapters. Chapters are very important to a story because they help us understand each stage of the storyline. If there were no chapters, we'd get lost with which stage of the storyline we're in. Is this conflict or is this climax? And so chapters are absolutely essential. Now, when talking about chapters of the storyline of the Bible, I'm not referring to the chapters of any one book of the Bible. I'm not talking about those sorts of chapters. If we consider the storyline of the Bible, there are naturally in our minds already some pretty clearly defined chapters. One of them we'd call the fall. This is where we find Adam and Eve's story, the introduction to the problem of sin. This is generally the first chapter in the story of the Bible when we think about it. Then after this, we might think of a chapter called, let's call it the promise. This is where, after the fall, the chapter introduces a promise of a coming Savior. And our only hope is this Savior in dealing with the problem of sin. And this obviously leads us to another chapter which we might call the Savior or the arrival of the Savior. In this chapter, it would cover the Savior's birth, his life, his teachings, and his death and his resurrection. And then this chapter could be followed by another chapter called the church. In this chapter, we would read about how God has left a church behind after Jesus' ascension and given them what is called the Great Commission and how the church is expected to share the good news about Jesus and salvation. And in this view of the story with these four chapters, we find the cross right at the center of it. When we look at the cross in this light, we generally put ourselves into the story and we see ourselves in the center of the story. We see ourselves before the cross, before we meet Jesus, and after the cross, after we meet Jesus. And these four chapters and this central view of Christ and the cross is what we refer to as the I-centric salvation story. We see sin as a problem starting with Adam and ending with Jesus. And in the middle of all of that is the story affecting my life. Now, when we think of this story in this form with these four chapters and the cross in the middle and me in the middle of the story, this is why we often hear questions like, have you been saved or have you been born again or have you found Jesus? This is a very limited view of the storyline and we exclude a large portion of the storyline of the Bible if we limit our view to just these four chapters. Now, there's nothing wrong with this, but it's a limited picture. You see, there are more chapters to the storyline. The story of the Bible does not begin with the fall of man and sin, but rather it actually begins with an exposition of heaven. 
Now, you have to remember that the books of the Bible have been placed in the order that we have today because it's thematical, not because it's chronological. You see, the sin problem that Adam and Eve dealt with existed long before they did, and even before the creation of this world. This sin problem actually starts in heaven. So at the very beginning, from a chronological point of view, we're introduced to heaven, or a cosmic environment in which the story starts. We're introduced to characters. We're introduced to a creator. We're introduced to beings other than humans called angels. We're introduced to other worlds. All of this, in chronological order, would be the exposition of the storyline. Now, once we've been introduced to heaven, or this cosmic environment, the story begins to twist. It talks about a creation of earth. And so we could call this a creation chapter. No longer is this out there somewhere in the distant galaxies, but this is now in a more personalized physical context. And this is the place where the overall theme of the cosmic storyline now Follows. After the creation, we find what we would call the fall chapter, followed by what we call the promise chapter, then the savior chapter, followed by a church chapter. But lastly, the chapter that the Bible communicates doesn't end with a church. It ends with a restoration of all things. This is where the problem of sin is finally removed. You see, even though Jesus dealt with sin in the terms of providing a way for salvation at the cross, which would be the climax in our story, the effects of sin are still very evident in the world after the crucifixion. And it continues all the way down to the ultimate removal of sin in the restoration chapter. And so instead of an eye-centric story with those four chapters and a narrow storyline, the storyline of the Bible is actually much bigger. This bigger picture does something absolutely remarkable. It shows the salvation story as a God-centric story, not an I-centric story. You see, before you and I existed, God had to deal with sin. Before we were born, he had to deal with sin. And after we're long gone, he still has to deal with the problem of sin. Sin is God's problem to solve. And this all becomes glaringly obvious if we take our seven chapters that we just talked about and we overlay them on a storyline. Remember, our storyline has an exposition, has a conflict, it has hope, it has climax, it has a wrap-up, it has resolution. If we take our seven chapters and overlay them on that timeline, we find something remarkable. We see that the first two chapters, the heaven chapter and the creation chapter, they give us exposition. They give us locations and characters and conditions. But then... The conflict comes with the fall of man, our third chapter. And then from there, we have our tension. What will happen is their hope. And then this brings us to the promised one, the one who will solve this problem. He's our long-awaited hero. And this is where the story reaches its climax, as we're introduced to the Savior, who comes to solve the sin problem by living, dying, and then being raised from the dead. After that climax, we're introduced to the church chapter, which is the wrap-ups part of the storyline. The mission of the church is to explain the climax, the Savior, and how it solves the conflict of sin, and answers all the hope and promises that were looked for. And then lastly, during the resolution stage of the storyline, we're introduced to what the new normal will be, what life will be, Without sin. Now, if we loosely overlay the 66 books of the Bible, where they fit according to these chapters and themes, we find something absolutely remarkable. The books of the Old Testament give enough information to understand the whole story of the Bible. But the majority of the books fall within the promise chapter with its purpose of providing hope 
during the tension phase of the conflict to climax. And then if we overlay the books of the New Testament, we find once again that in the New Testament we have enough information to understand the whole storyline. But the majority of the books in the New Testament fall within the church chapter or the wrap-up phase. This is the period where the church explains to the world the power of the climax in light of the conflict. Now I put together a little infographic to really help you grasp these storylines and how these chapters and the 66 books loosely relate to this storyline in its entirety. If you'd like to see this little visual, then you need to text this code word to 048885311. Here's the code word. It's hash FE23info. Hash FE23info. All one word. So it's a hashtag. Hashtag FE23info. And text that to 048885311. And our SMS bot will reply to you with a link to today's visual. It's really going to help you see how the books of the Bible are loosely laid over the storyline in connection with our seven chapters we've just been talking about. Well, it's time to take a short break now, but when we come back, we'll continue looking at the third ingredient of what makes a good story. And don't forget to stick around for today's code word to get the e-guide on today's topic. I'll be right back after this with The Faith Experiment. If you have enjoyed this episode of The Faith Experiment, please help us get the word out by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. Thought had gone astray. Oh, I believe, yes, I believe that I will go back home. Oh, I believe, yes, I believe that I will go back home. Oh, I believe, yes, I believe that I will go back home and be a servant of the Lord. When his father saw his son coming, he met him with a smile. He ran and threw his arms around him. Lord, 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 this is my darling child. Oh, I believe, yes, I believe that I will go back home. Oh, I believe, yes, I believe that I will go back home. Oh, I believe, yes, I believe that I will go back home and be a servant of the Lord. I believe, yes, I believe that I will go back home. Oh, I believe that I will go back home. Believe, yes, I believe that I will go back home and be a servant of the Lord. 
The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right here on Faith FM. Welcome back to The Faith Experiment. I'm Robbie Bergen, and this is episode 23 of The Faith Experiment, which I'm calling the storyline of the Bible. And coming up is today's code word for the e-guide on today's topic. Now, in this episode, we've been talking about the Bible and the study of the Bible. But in particular, we're looking at the storyline of the Bible. And I shared before the break that every good story has three ingredients a storyline, chapters, and threads. And we looked at how the Bible has a storyline, a storyline that starts with an exposition describing a cosmic universe, but then inevitably comes to a conflict known as sin. And from this point, we have tension as hope builds as we look for a deliverer, a savior to solve this problem of sin. And at the pinnacle of the story comes the climax, followed by the wrap-up stage, where the climax is explained in the light of the conflict and the hope. And lastly, we find a resolution to the whole story showing us what this new cosmic universe will be like once the issue of sin has been dealt with. And then we explored the second ingredient of any good story, which is the chapters. And we found that there are seven chapters to the storyline of the Bible. The first chapter deals with heaven, which introduces us to God and angels and various other cosmic details. The next chapter is the chapter of creation, where we see that God is the creator of everything. And the first indication that we get is that God creates beings called angels. He creates the hosts of the universe. And then we see details around the creation of human beings and a planet called Earth. Our third chapter describes a fall. This is the introduction of a conflict in the cosmic story. This is where everything goes dreadfully wrong. And the fourth chapter deals with a promise. This is where we see tension building and questions are asked. How can this problem be solved? Who can solve this problem? When will this problem be solved? At the pinnacle of the story is the climax chapter, which is the story of the Savior. We find his birth, his life, his teachings, and ultimately his death and resurrection, which leads us to the sixth chapter, which deals with the church. The church has the mission to explain this climax and how it answers the questions of hope and ultimately solves the problem of a conflict. And our seventh and final chapter in this great storyline of the Bible is the chapter of restoration. This is where we gain an insight into the cosmic universe after the removal of the conflict, which is sin. We get a glimpse of what life will be like when there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, and no more death. And so now we'll look at our third ingredient of a good story. This is the ingredient known as threads. Threads hold the story together throughout the chapters and across the storyline. They often are the clues to help us see connections between our characters, our questions, and our chapters. Threads unite or connect chapters to the storyline. For most students of the Bible, we generally understand that the Bible is made up of a series of doctrines, doctrines like Heaven and hell and salvation and baptism and tithe and death and resurrection, among many, many, many others. But seeing the purpose of these teachings is often very difficult because we don't generally see them as being connected to the overall storyline of the Bible. And it's like what one Christian commentator says in a book called That I May Know Him on page 208. It says, The truth for this time is broad in its outlines, far-reaching, embracing many doctrines. But these doctrines are not detached items which mean little. 
they are united by golden threads, forming a complete whole with Christ as the living center. You see, it's these golden threads that unite all the chapters and tie them to the storyline as a whole. From my study of the Bible, it seems to me that there are seven key threads that tie all the chapters to the storyline. And each of these threads help give us context as to where we are in the storyline. Each of these threads interconnect all of the doctrine to all of the chapters to all of the stages of the storyline. And again, today's e-guide has a really good visual on this, so make sure you grab it when you get the chance with the code word. Now, each thread that I have found, they all start with the letter S. So here they are. The first one is the sanctuary. That's the first thread that I find through the entire Bible. The second thread is what I'm calling stewardship. Now, stewardship is being responsible for God's things, stuff, time, matter, money, whatever it is. Stewardship is taking care of things. And I find that theme all the way through the Bible. It's a thread that ties everything together. The third thread is the thread of the Sabbath. From beginning to end of the Bible, the Sabbath is intertwined on all of these doctrines, all of these chapters, and all of these stages of the storyline. The next thread is the state of man, the state before sin, the state after sin, the state post-sin, the state in between. We see this thread a common thread all the way through the storyline. The next thread is the thread of salvation. We find that, again, through every stage of the storyline, through every chapter of the storyline. The next one is sanctification. Again, we find that all the way through. And the last one is the spirit of prophecy. So let's quickly see how these threads work. Let's take the sanctuary thread, for example. If we take our first chapter, the heaven chapter, we'll find that in this chapter we're introduced to a being called Lucifer. Now, this is in heaven, and he has a title in heaven of Covering Cherub. Now, this is the same title that's given to two angels on the Ark of the Covenant in the sanctuary that God asked Moses to build during the promise stage of our storyline. We're also told that God wanted this sanctuary built so that he could dwell with humanity. This is a picture of God tabernacling with man. It's seen in the creation chapter. It's seen in the restoration chapter at the end of the storyline. It's also seen in the fall chapter. A sacrifice was introduced to somehow restore this oneness with God. We also see sanctuary imagery in the promise chapter, where we're informed that when this Savior comes, he will take away the sin of the world. This Savior is also called a lamb, which is symbolic sacrificial system language. In the climactic chapter of the Savior, while he's dying on the cross, the temple veil is rent in two, showing that the earthly sanctuary has ended and a heavenly sanctuary has started. So you see, in each of our seven chapters of our storyline, we can find different aspects of each of these threads, which tie the chapters together to the overall storyline. And you can do this for each of the seven threads. And what you find is, is that every doctrine and every teaching And every principle in the Bible is in fact interconnected with this overarching cosmic storyline, which I like to call the cosmic conflict or the great plan of salvation. And so as we look at the Bible, not as just a collection of stories, but as a single story with a cosmic God-centered storyline, we find that it's made up of seven chapters that lead the reader through from exposition to conflict to hope to climax through to wrap up through to ultimately the resolution. 
And as we follow the seven golden threads of the sanctuary, stewardship, Sabbath, state of man, salvation, sanctification, and the spirit of prophecy, each of these threads help tie these chapters to the storyline. So what does this mean for the Bible student? What does this mean in the context of how to study the Bible? Well, as we study a portion of the Bible, understanding and recognizing these three ingredients, storyline, chapter, and threads, it helps us to always answer these questions. Number one, where am I in the storyline? Meaning, this portion that I'm reading of the Bible or portion that I'm studying, where does it fit into what chapter or into what part of the storyline? which gives great context and allows us to develop deeper insights into the story. The second question it answers is, which of the seven chapters in the story am I reading about? And what threads are in this passage that can help me tie the chapter to the storyline? I have found that the storyline method of Bible study has absolutely fundamentally changed my approach to studying the Bible. You see, once you see the storyline, once you recognize the chapters, you start to see the threads popping out everywhere you turn. And the threads help keep you centered on the story, keeps you from going off left or going off right and coming up with your own crazy, wacky ideas. The storyline is the story of the scripture. The chapters keep us going on the right story. The chapters ensure that we keep moving in the story and the threads make sure we stick to the original storyline. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I have a great little e-guide I've put together on today's topic, which is really going to help you grasp this topic. If you want to get a free copy of today's e-guide, all you need to do is to text this code word, hash FE23. That's hash FE23. Text that to 4 And the Faith FM giveaway bot will ask you for some details and reply to you with today's e-guide. So text this code word, hash FE23. That's the hash or pound symbol, followed by FE, as in faith experiment, and number 23, as in episode 23, all with no spaces. So that's hash FE23. Text that to 04888-45311, and we will get you today's e-guide absolutely for free. So next time on The Faith Experiment, we're going to continue exploring the idea of the Bible and Bible study, what it is, how it works, and a whole lot more. And don't forget to give me your feedback. I really do appreciate it. You can text your comments and questions and feedback on 04888-45311 or email me on robbie at faithfm.com.au. I'll catch you next week at the same time right here on Faith FM for the next episode of The Faith Experiment. I'll see you then. You have been listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen. Connect with us via text message on 04888 453 That's 04888 453 Or send an email to robbie at faithfm.com.au and let us know what you thought of this episode.